0: Okay,
1: let's get this show on the road gang
0: Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell.
1: Hello and welcome to Two True Freaks. This is episode 109. Also, it's Comics Monthly Monday number 18, which uh, is the legal age for Comics Monthly Monday now. So it's all legal. It's barely legal. (laughs) I am Scott Gardner. And I am Chris Honeywell. Getting right good. on
0: that barely legal comics monthly Monday.
1: <laughs> You're all about the barely legal. Climbing cool. right in, you old perv. How's it going, man? Good. Sweet. Ready good. To talk, ready to talk some funny books? Yeah,
0: I actually i've been uh, i've been getting funny books in the mail lately. Yeah, you just uh, you just had a good score. Tell the kind uh-huh. folks all about it. Well, I just got s- s- Marvel Star Wars number two to six sweet which i'll i'll go over that more in the star wars episode but those were some those are some that I, i'm trying to complete my star wars marvel collection seeing as how we do a whole show dedicated to it
1: hey you know what i just thought of something you know you you were telling me just before we started that there's a particular issue that you're hunting you know our our listeners are awesome like this you got to throw it out there, that issue that you're, you're looking for. I'm sure that somebody out there would keep an eye out for that issue on the cheap for you. Well, um, I'm thinking, yeah,
0: that they would. if you find it on the cheap, I'm thinking the one that's going to be hard for me to find, which um, is the last issue, 107. 107, yeah. Because it had a really small print run, I guess, and it's yep. the last issue. But um, that's the one specifically... Otherwise, I'm stalking eBay and I'm being patient. You know, I'm really trying not to pay more yeah. than fifty cents an issue. I'm being really cheap about it. That's how I generally am with with stuff, unless it's something I really wanted. Which is recently, I just got the um, the comic adaptation of Alien, the original Alien by Walt Simonson and Archie Goodwin. And I've was, never even seen that. I'd love to see that. I, I saw it in that bookstore in 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 uh watertown not not the one where we used to go get our comics but the more fancy schmancy one Uh, and uh and i saw it in there once along with the photo novel of alien which i recently got which is beautifully done but this comic whoops that all over the place a it has (laughs) beautiful walt simonson art it's very nice very stylish
1: and uh Archie now you Goodwin said this was not job. like one of those old like Marvel super special kind of things, right? This no. is some independent company or something. Well, it was under the heavy metal
0: imprint. It's the oh, size okay. roughly. It's like it was. It was before graphic novels came out, but it was pretty much in the format of a graphic novel. Uh huh. It was a little smaller. It was more of the heavy metal magazine size, but it had a stiffer cover and the pages are glossy. You know, so is nice it more adult paper. content as far as, like, language or... It has a, yeah, mm-hmm. as much as the movie does it. It's a pretty faithful adaptation of the movie. Um, you know, Walt Walt Simonson's art really lends itself well to the whole style of the movie. And uh, it really captures the whole feel of, of the whole thing. And, uh, boy, I because I, I, I remember when I was a little kid, I saw it, and I was just like, wow... Because that was one of the first R-rated movies I got to see in a theater, and and uh, you know, and it, it wasn't something I was going to get to see again. You know, I mean, for a long time until video and HBO started right started churning it out. So when I saw that comic and I saw it, and I uh, immediately recognized the art to be, you know, above average you know by by a long shot. So I was really happy. I just got that recently and boy, I was glad to stick that in my bookshelf right next to the alien photo novel. Been waiting to do that. And I went to a uh it, it's a collectible store. I literally I went in there about 15 or 20 years ago, looked at the prices on the stuff and turned around and walked out because <laughs> it was so ridiculously priced. And uh Luckily for me, in those fifteen or twenty years, the guy never heard who runs it, never heard of eBay <laughs> and never like changed his prices <laughs> so now it's full of all sorts of cool stuff and you know I was telling I was telling you before like a week ago the day I went there last time he had the um shuttle Tidarium.
1: which yeah. if anybody
0: remembers the shuttle Tiderium came out it was. Huge! It might have been the biggest, like Kenner. I th- believe it was Kenner. Yeah, um, it was. Um, Star Wars spaceship of all of them. It was just—it's just huge. And he had a beautiful one there, and it said one hundred and fifty dollars, and it was marked down to like seventy-five bucks or something, which is more than I'm going to spend for a toy that's going to take up that much space. Am I already? crowded house. That would be quite the thing to have It's a though. cool, th- it's really cool you know, it's beautiful, it's humongous but anyway I got a bunch of comics there for 25 cents mostly just cheesy stuff but the, some some 80s um, like Marvel Adventures with the original X-Men a Machine Man with a John Byrne and Steve Ditko cover um, some Captain Victory comics <laughs> um Whoa, dreadstar the first Dreadstar Star comic, which I'm not a big fan of um, his art, but I thought I'd, for 25 cents, I'll check it out. Who is that? That's uh, Starlin, right? Jim Starlin, yeah. His yeah. bodies are always weirdly proportioned. And he always draws, like, dumpy women with saggy butts. <laughs> <laughs> you can always tell, you know, the, the artist's taste in women, you know, and I always... I always lean more towards the John Byrne oh yeah, like like style of style of women rather than and like nowadays, like all women are just completely like if they're not siliconed up they're they you know they live next door to like a a dairy farm and there's hormones <laughs> in the water or something like that <laughs> Cause something something beyond the laws of physics is going on there, but John Byrne knew how to get it right. Yep. All right, we'll take a five-minute break while I go uh, ponder that.
1: <laughs> ponder, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> you do yeah. your pondering on your own time, pal. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, that's about that's about all the the comic
1: news and uh, that I've got going. Yeah,
0: I right don't now. have
1: much going on myself. Um, I'm. I'm Possibly, i'm th- i'm toying with the idea of maybe going to the flea market this weekend but i don't know i haven't quite haven't quite decided yet i haven't quite made up my mind i really shouldn't but it's hard to stay away i, I still like the 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 thrill of the hunt so to speak so and we'll, another we'll month
0: see. it's going to be garage sale season here so i'll yeah. be pretty happy about that
1: yeah but uh, about the only comic news i can think of off the top of my head was uh Last weekend, we went up to the Mall of Georgia and had a nice visit with my folks. I hadn't seen my folks in quite a while. And the Mall of Georgia is kind of sort of roughly sort of like a halfway point between, you know, where we live and where they live. And my mom wanted something from the mall and my wife was some, said, said something recently about, hey, let, you know, I'd love to go up there sometime. So we were like, yeah, let's, you know, let's meet up. Let's go there. Let's have dinner and everything. So we went and did that. And as we're out and about shopping, we wandered into uh what the hell's that place old navy and man uh-huh. if you guys are looking for some freaking awesome comic book t-shirts you know with just you know different comic art and stuff they've got some great mostly ones marvel merch. isn't it it's, it's mostly marvel but i'm telling you i, I got that. i got a, a dc shirt it's uh superman versus lex luthor and lex luthor's wearing that big battle suit you know the green the green and purple one yeah and uh, I think the art is by uh, Art... I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce the guy's name. I think it's T-Bear. I'm not sure. It's uh, I used to call it Thybert when I was younger, but I don't know it, how you pronounce it. But it's T-H-I-B-E-R-T, I believe it's how you uh, spell his name. I'm pretty sure he's the artist, but again, could be wrong. But anyway, it's a gorgeous piece of art. There's another one that's uh, an Iron Man shirt. And it's all his comic book, um, well, not all of them, but it's a bunch of his different comic book armors starting from, like, the earliest in the 60s right up through, like, the newest one. It includes, like, the Silver Centurion and, you know, the, the classic one and stuff. It's really cool. Scotty got that one. And then they had a bunch of them that were just, like, character faces. You know, there was a red one with a Spider-Man face and a blue one with a classic Kirby uh, Captain America face. It was an Iron Man one. It's. I'm pretty sure it's uh, Bob Layton, but I, I'm not exactly sure what armor. It's just his face, so it's hard to tell exactly what armor or what era it is. But it, they're all really cool. But they had all kinds of them. I mean, I thought I, you know, I, I've been pretty impressed to go like Walmart and places lately, and they have some cool ones. But man, the, I was just these gonna these say that. Hell. I rarely go to Walmart,
0: and the last time I was there, hey, if you're a little kid, and your kids are kind of out of that range too, but like. If your kids were like four or five years younger, boy there were some great Star Wars shirts yeah. for them yeah. but uh in the in the t-shirt section they had a sail rack and they had all these mostly Marvel comic shirts and a couple Star Wars shirts, one of which I didn't really like but the other one was like a picture of two x wings and it was what I, I I hate this but whatever it's Star Wars I hate when they do the like Make distressed. it look vintage, distressed yeah. look, but it's it's from the it's from you know the Marvel comics. I'm comics, sure, yeah, I've seen that one. That's comics. nice, and uh, it was like seven ninety five, so I yeah. couldn't pass that up. So I got one of those, and I've since misplaced it, but I'll dig it up here <laughs> one of these days. But uh, yeah, that maybe that maybe that they because of the movies, they've decided to license a lot more other stuff out to. The clothing i'm glad that there's people i don't know if they would be wearing their nerdiness on the shirt or if nerdiness is starting to get to the unwashed masses you know <laughs> but either way whatever i think, whatever, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's a little of
1: both yeah uh,
0: if, it, if it keeps money flowing into
1: nerd world then i'm all for it i'm just happy to see some some star wars you know some comic book stars i'm talking like old school like the marvel comics Star Wars stuff start to wind up on T-shirts. I think that's awesome because I know that there was that one that we saw at Dragon Con that we liked so much, but that one's a specialty one. You have to order that somewhere online. But now it's starting to make it into main, you know, like Walmart's and shit. So you know, I'm, I'm holding out the hope that we'll start to see more of that. I'd love to see some covers. Like some vintage Marvel Star Wars covers start to show up on T-shirts. Well, hell, I'd like to see any you know comic book covers winding up on T-shirts, but I think that's just really cool. But I know that one that we saw and really flipped out over. I'd still love to find that somewhere. That was really nice. I saw one.
0: (coughs) (coughs) Pardon me, on eBay, that was just a montage of all different Marvel star wars comics art and i think there was even some dark horse thrown in there and it was just chopped and hacked together That's and cool. you know covered the whole shirt you know beautiful it was beautiful there was al williamson in there infantino representation of all the star wars comic
1: art that would be very cool i would have yeah, it I'm was excited. like
0: 27 dollars or something for you know god re- re- goddamn ridiculous like that <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with those kind of things. If I was rich, you know, maybe I'd think about it. Even if I'm too stingy, even
1: if I was rich, I still wouldn't <laughs> buy it. There's certain ones, though. I mean, you know, I my my typical cutoff for a T-shirt's about ten bucks. To be honest with you, I think anything more than ten bucks for a T-shirt's fucking highway robbery, kind of a ripoff. Yeah, but you know, I, I, every once in a while, I'll I'll, I'll linger in the window. It and, probably like, costs a lot to officially
0: license that stuff. That's why they're yeah. so jacked up.
1: Well, I think it's I think it's that plus I think shit's just expensive these days. You yeah. know, like you go to the mall and nothing's cheap. You know, not nothing is cheap. Only life is cheap. But <laughs> But uh you know, every once in a while I'll linger in the in the window of like hot topic checking out all the, the hot new comic book, you know, and, and sci fi you know, just the geek world T shirts and stuff. I really like a lot of what they have, but I don't think I've ever bought anything from that place. But not long ago they had a uh an infinite crisis t-shirt by Perez. And I, I swear if they ever do crisis on infinite earths t-shirts by Perez, I'm there. I don't care what they cost. I've got to have me. I mean, and I like all the covers. So, I mean, if it was just like ever a cover or something or some sort of montage or something, as long as it was the original crisis on a t-shirt, I, you are pretty much guaranteed a, a sale right here. So, <laughs> i'd still love this i'm surprised there hasn't been one because uh i finally broke down and bought the secret wars t-shirt you do you remember the the cover to secret wars number one by mike Zeck? they yes. had like cap and all them running they're like basically running at you right and uh yeah they, they released a t-shirt of that not long ago and it's beautiful and they kind of jazzed up it's got that stupid distressed look but yeah, they kind of counterbalanced it by jazzing up the colors a little bit and uh, man that's a nice t-shirt I, I finally broke down and bought that I'm not the biggest Secret Wars fan but love Mike Zek's art especially that cover so I did pick that one up but yeah I see some cool ones around cause every once in a while we'll, we'll go to the next town over and they have uh, oh what the hell is that store my wife likes Coles, I think is the name of it and Coles gets some nice geek t-shirts in there it's where i got my boba Fat one for christmas and stuff like that so yeah they get they get some nice ones but anyway i got i think that's about all i got really i was trying to think you know what new comics did i get or anything like that not not really too much lately i i got a package in the mail from a listener the other day but that i'll, I'll talk about that at, a, at another time because that was actually for another another one of our myriad of podcasts yes so. <laughs> don't cross the streams yeah
0: all right. It's, well, maybe it's, it's tough
1: sometimes. It's hard to keep them all straight anymore. Maybe what it's the hell time shows
0: to, this? <laughs> Maybe it's time to spray ourselves from head to toe with off and put on our hip waders and head on into the swamp. Swamp. The saga of the swamp thing. Alright, we're back with some more Saga of the Swamp thing um, This month we're doing three issues um, Number 14, 15, and 16 Which I believe are June, July, and August of 1983 You're correct, sir And uh, we'll we'll start out with 14 and 15 Which are one story And uh, this is interesting We've got a, a guest writer, uh, Dan Mishkin And guest artist, Bo and Scott Hampton Oh so and loop Duke. So we've got a different style and a different feel all together for Swamp thing it, it looks like for for the next couple issues. And um this these two issues are sort of a little mashup between the Phantom Stranger and the Swamp thing, so there's no Phantom Stranger backup, thank god. And and I think the Phantom <laughs> Stranger is pretty much kaput after these two issues. This is sort of a Swamp swan song. So uh anyway, The Phantom Stranger narrates the tale of Nat Broder, position scientist. His experiment with self-growing silicon goes horribly wrong and he's enveloped by a silicone sand that fills his uh, sealed lab. His girlfriend Sally watches this in horror and is about to open his lab to let him out when, poof, the Phantom Stranger shows up and tells her that she must not. The silicon is too dangerous to let loose on the world that she must let him be enveloped and die. And before she can say, Who the fuck are you and why should I care what you're talking about? He, you know, disappears in his puff of smoke. Um, meanwhile, you know, the swamp thing's been in the swamp regenerating himself in uh, the bio restorative formula drenched home swamp. Um, he's feeling much better, thank you, but unfortunately, Broder Electronics is tossing barrels of the bad silicon into the into swampy swamp in an effort to, you know, avoid any sticky questions with any government agencies. Sally Broder, Nat's widow now, is is part company owner since she's assumed her husband's shares. She finds out a bit about this, and she's really pissed off when, when she finds out they did this, and she wants answers, damn it. And, of course, the silicon sa- sand spawns a crystalline version of Nap Broder that can turn living tissue into crystal, which he proceeds to do with much relish. <laughs> and also the swamp itself is turning into a big, like, chandelier-slash-sandpile. So, of course, Holland takes issue with this, but uh, is run off with his first encounter with Diamond Guy when the guy focuses the sun through his hand and burns a big chunk of Swamp Thing out. So, <clears throat> while he's limping off, he overhears Sally Broder and, uh, you know, some goons discussing Nat, and, and he sort of has a run-in with them, but, you know, they decide he's actually trying to help him and he's okay. So he finds out that Crystal Guy is probably this guy, Nat Broder. So then they run into Nat, and, um... You know, they, they, the guards take a couple pot shots at him and he turns one of them into a, a crystal and, uh, and then uh, runs off. Swampy sort of chases him down and finds out, you know, that he's just sort of this confused freak who seems to be just figuring out who he is. And when Swamp Thing calls him Broder, it sort of snaps him into reality. And he's starting to, you know, get a grasp on who he is and what he is but unfortunately he also realizes that he's super tough and that he's also a living computer and decides of course to take over the world so uh, he turns the so far crystal resistant swamp thing into a cheap dream catcher crystal and uh, back at the lab we find out that he's brought swampy and his crystallized goon back to examine him and he's just sort of playing up the fact that that he's, you know, plain old Matt Broder trying to find a way out of his situation and find out how he can help these poor crystallized people. Well, Swamp Thing, you know, he's he's somehow, you know, maybe it's the bio-restorative fluid in him, but he's resistant to the crystal. So he starts turning back into, into Swamp Thing. And uh, so he lets his wife think he's still an okay guy, but in fact he's now a megalomaniacal silicon-based bastard. So Sally's in the lab and she hears somebody playing her keyboard and uh, finds a phantom stranger is playing Phantom of the Opera. So he tells her some cryptic shit about, you know, sacrifice and bullshit and poofy disappears <laughs> again. <clears throat> Meanwhile, Matt, Nat shows up and tells Sally that he really grooves to those synthesizer vibes. It's something about that crazy sound makes his body shiver in delight
1: which is really creepy i'm just wondering what the tune was <laughs> cuz i'm imagining it was doo, 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 doo. i don't know maybe it's
0: just me. i think she was playing playing rocket by herbie hancock oh okay that works too i was thinking bam, bam. she reminded me with science bam bam but bam, yeah. bam bam bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Eventually, though, everything, of course, goes to shit. Sally and Nat's partner figure out his plans to rule all the electronics in the world. Since he's a living computer, he can just sort of hook into them, sort of predating the internet. And then uh, the swamp thing goes all organic, and uh, he and Crystal Boy start going at it. But, you know, Sally, of course, using the cryptic advice of the, the phantom stranger, you know, figures it all all out and she plays taps on her keyboard at at Nat's sympathetic resonance level and of course he shatters into into dust and so of course the swamp has returned to its swampy splendor and Alec can now go back to his buddies now moving on to the next issue which is number 16 where um we've actually got the same writer as we had before but we have a new um New new artist, we've got John Totalbomb. and what's the name of the other guy who's yeah Steve Bissett and Bissett John Totalbomb. Mm-hmm. Now this is this is a team that's gonna go right into the into the Alan Moore run, and yeah. boy, there's you know there's just a whole new visual style here. So um, now we're back, you know Holland has gone back to find uh, his friends who who's. Helmut Krippman, Liz, and Dennis. And he wants to go to his wife's grave out in the swamp. And and when they dig it up, when Holland digs it up, he finds out her body isn't there. And, um, you know, they start talking to Krippman about, you know, why, you know, the government would be taking Holland's wife's body or or not burying it. And, you know, Krippman says, you know, this thing goes even higher than the Sunderland Corporation. This goes into the government, you know, and the big boys and all that sort of conspiracy theory stuff. So they decide, you know, since everybody wants them dead at this point, they're going to go to Washington, D.C. and just confront everybody and get to the bottom of what's going on. So they hop in in the car and head to Washington, D.C. And on the way, um, they stop at a hotel or motel and, uh, Alex is sort of, you know, crammed in the back of the station wagon, and he decides he's going to take a little breath of air and head into the swamp while they're in the hotel to get some air. And, uh, you know, he's walking around in the swamp, and he sees a kid on the edge of a cliff, and the kid's in a car, and, you know, somebody's left the emergency brake, and it's starting to roll off the cliff. So um, he runs and, and, you know, grabs a car and grabs the kid out of the car and saves his life and he's getting ready to be run off by the kid's grandmother when she just sort of thanks him and uh, says come on you can come into town with me and they go into town and it's really strange because nobody gives Alec a second look and you know it's just a town full of it's you know any town America so she takes him to the boarding house where she lives and introduces him to her husband who says, hey, you know, before we eat dinner I got something to show you And he takes him up into the attic And he gives him a magic mask That when he puts it on He becomes Alec Holland in human form again Which, you know, has been his aim Since he's not been Alec Holland So he's overjoyed <laughs> So they go they go to have dinner And earlier they'd seen uh, You know, the hot nubile young daughter Mallory out in the yard But now they're at dinner And basically she and Alan t- Alec Holland take a shine to each other right away and um you know we find out that she has another suitor there at dinner who's not very happy about this and uh of course you know as Holland's talking to her and giving her the whole you know because of course he thinks you know she doesn't know I'm swamp thing I can't live this lie and he's telling her why he can't go steady with her or whatever when um (laughs) <laughs> you know the the suitor comes and confronts him and wants to fight him, so he starts fighting him and when the guy's mask the guy who's wearing a mask also when it comes off, he's this big you know evil demon fish creature, then Alec goes, "What the fuck?" and fights him for a while chucks him into the woods where the guy gets speared by a you know a jagged piece of a trunk and dies and so Alec feels kind of bad for just sort of randomly you know inadvertently killing the guy and um it comes to find out we come to find out that um it, this guy wasn't even real that the citizens of the town had just created him as a test to see how he would react to to all this and everybody in the town you know starts taking their masks off and they're all horribly deformed and mutated and ugly freaks and uh so they say hey look see we're all all this way you know we don't run around in our human form because we can be ourselves here and you know when when Alex sees um why do I want to call her Mallory because her name's Mallory when he sees Mallory (laughs) she's afraid to take her mask off and runs off and and he says you know I know that you're all freaks with hearts of gold and uh you know I've passed your admission test but I have to go help my friends because you know we have to get to the bottom of this thing and I'd love to stay and be a hideous freak with all you guys and hook up with this hot chick that's probably some, you know, some reject from the cage, but I gotta go. So of course he leaves and then we find out in the big dramatic twist at the end that Mallory is in fact exactly the way she looked. Beautiful, hot, just like Marilyn in the Munsters. Yes, and and he could have had—he could have had all that. He could have had all that, but he left it to save his friends, which was the honorable thing to do. And the end of
1: Swamp Thing, number sixteen. This issue made me feel Ah. really, really, really uh, fortunate. Because, you know, we may be freaks, but we're far from hideous (laughs) freaks.
0: (laughs) Speak for yourself, laddie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was being nice. Uh, Thanks. I can face reality.
1: Okay. (laughs) I'm glad you've matured to this level. I've
0: I've slapped my mug on so many pictures that the listeners can see that how can I lie to them? (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> I've shown myself in public at like Dragon con there's just no getting around it you know? look
1: at that poor poor man don't stare dear yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mommy look at the hideous man mommy mommy that looks like the monkey at the at the zoo but like his hair fell off well most <laughs> of it <laughs>
1: oh, that's fucked up. Oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, what swamp go?
0: thing. Swamp thing. Yeah, we'll talk sort of about thi- my deformities later. <laughs> we got plenty of time.
1: Oh, must we? <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what do we? Uh, what do we think about these issues? Well, I gotta tell you,
0: I thought it was really funny, and I wonder if it wasn't a metaphor. But in the last one, remember where they've been? You know, Swamp Thing is dying. He's dying of some mysterious disease, and at the end, they go, "You know, you should just go back to your swamp because." Right. That's where the bio-restorative re- formula is. It's impregnating the whole swamp. You should be able to go there and sort of marinate in your own juices and feel better. And I wonder <laughs> if they weren't saying, like, you know, because really that's when the co- the comics were really starting to suck. I gotta say, we've tank, been troopers yeah. about it, and they probably said, you know what, Swamp Thing belongs in the swamp. That's where he belongs. And uh, and these three issues are a decisive trip back to the swamp yes Um, the 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 two-part one at the beginning the art style is very bernie wrightson without completely aping it but it's it's not as much it's little little the art sometimes but it's the way the pages are laid out Mm -hmm. with sometimes huge chunks of the pages being just white you know with no background you know what i mean just white pages with with a chunk here and there, you know. There's some some negative space there, right. and uh, that was that reminded me a lot of the original Swamp things. And the story was the only thing that held that story back for me was was Silicon Dude was just he looked ridiculous. He looks like a reject from
1: um, oh Amethyst Princess of Gem World. <laughs> well, you know these uh, these issues actually have a connection. Tenuously, but a connection to amethyst because dan mishkin that wrote uh 14 and 15 was the co-creator of both amethyst and uh-huh. blue devil oh remember blue devil. i remember so, blue yeah. devil yeah yeah but that yeah was right I, about the was, same time period yeah it
0: was and, and you know why he wears those david banner pants <laughs> You know, come on. He's a crystalline creature. You do not have to put, you know, his junk on him. He does not need the twigs and berries or whatever. You could have just drawn him like a Ken doll. (laughs) You know, come on. But don't have him wear those stupid pants and just be like, you know, especially since they're totally drawing a parallel between him and Alec Holland and, you know, his whole origin and everything. And you don't see the Swamp Thing wearing his old pants around, you know. I always thought he needed pants, though. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I've 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 never seen the swamp, you know, a swamp boner, and I never hope to see one. <laughs> you know, I don't think it happens. You know, it's like it's like Bugs Bunny. Well, you know, but You've let never- me
1: ask you: Did you not ever wonder what did happen to his unit, though? It, what, where? I mean, I, I think I would he imagine a as an extremity, it
0: would be one of the first things that went.
1: <laughs> oh, that sucks, man. But I mean, he's still got five fingers and five toes. I mean, really, other than his wang, his nose seems to be the only thing that's missing. He he even still has his ears. So yeah, that totally sucks. I'd give up my ears, and you know, if I could, if I had to trade off, you know, huh? take it, take an ear, take them both if you have to, you know. What? Leave me the you know, huh? Leave me my block and tackle. What? You heard me. What? <laughs> um. Uh, yeah then 16 with uh with the first this is the first we've seen of uh i don't I, i'm hoping it's i'm pronouncing it right it's Bisset and yeah Ta- Ta- ben is that right i, Ta- I
0: assume it's like jacqueline Bisset. you know the right. they are spelled the same so i'm, oh, I'm right. assuming it's pronounced the same um i love their art yes i love it um yes there used to be a magazine called bananas yeah we used to get and every once in a while they would do a horror story and I w- remember one great one that had a werewolf in it and and they they had done it together and oh my God, it was beautiful art. and there was one with a with the vampires you know that were tapping blood out of somebody's neck. that was totally sort of a variation on an old EC comic, mm-hmm. I believe. And I remember, you know, in in grade school, immediately seeing that art and going, this guy is great, you know? And I didn't know if he worked for regular... And this was where he first turned up in regular comics. So at this point in Saga of the Swamp Thing, I was really psyched that he turned up as the artist in this. And I probably thought he was just going to be in a single issue. So once he started... Once that became the art team, boy, oh boy, it brings... Yeah. it brings it brings it up, and and you know, issue sixteen is a return to Crippman and Liz and Dennis, but they're just sort of tossed in at the beginning with a little recap of their origin, and you know, just enough to say this is where we're going in the future here. But uh, if I recall, I think they go separate ways with Swamp Thing pretty soon, and I think that's a wise I decision. So. Yeah, and, you know, and. And you know, not to cut ahead, but once we get to Alan Moore, Alan, one of the first things Alan Moore does with his big changes is his big changes guarantee that these are going to be swamp stories, right? That take place in the swamp for the most part, but they're based in based and centered in the swamp, and that's you know, swamp. It's it's funny because we're getting near that big change, and things are already starting to boil and boil, and right. for the better, I think like issue 16 i really like it i think it's kind of a cheesy story but it's also a return to the other you know like a, like a horror story in an anthology comic you know that's sort of how swamp things started out as a, yeah. a series of little short short story sh- short little morality tales yeah and that's, that's what, what i was gonna is. say it
1: feels very much like a classic you know original run swamp Thing story And And it would be kind of the whole story with uh, with uh, Sunderland and all that really takes a back seat in this issue, like that. And I'm glad to see that
0: after the last few, like the last year, really. And um, um, what was I going to say? It. Yeah, it 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 works for me, you know. And it probably sixteen the story would be kind of corny, if if it wasn't for the art the art really i mean the demon creature that attacks him is beautiful it looks like something out of hieronymus bosch paintings and stuff like that and we're going to see a lot more of that
1: in the future yeah that was my biggest note on that issue right there 16 was that the art is definitely not a problem in this issue at all i mean the art's the strongest thing I, i like the story too and it's one thing really I didn't mention is everybody. we do see Abigail Cable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just I, walking I, yeah, by as a waitress as well.
0: in a in a diner, but that's going to come in in the future too, and that was neat to see. Yeah. Without it's... any mention of her, just sort of there she is walking by with a little name tag that says Abigail on it, and it's like, hey,
1: cool. Yeah, but she's definitely going to play a, a, a big and important role in uh, the future of this title down the road. So, yeah, that was cool to see. And uh, also, you had mentioned vampires and werewolves by uh, by Bissette and Tottleben, and we'll definitely be seeing that down the road too. Yes, because, uh, and we get vampires in not too many more issues, but then I can't remember what number it is. But there was that really great vampire tale by Moore, or excuse me, werewolf. I mean, werewolf tale by Moore. That was like a parallel to like. A woman's time and all that. Oh, and that you're right. It's awesome. So, that's yeah. right. It's awesome. Really good one.
0: So yeah. Right, right. They're 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 hooked into the phases of the moon. Yep. Together, but yeah. um, let's see. What does it say right here at the end of it? But next, cable fable. Yeah, that's a that's a nice sign right there. I think with the with the turn
1: in the art here. uh... Well, the next three issues that we're going to be covering will be the last pre-more issues, and that's 17, 18, and 19. I don't know that I've actually... I have all three, but I don't know that I've actually read them, but my understanding is that that is a complete three-issue arc that is basically a Cable story. Yes. But, But we will find out next time whether that means Anton Cable or... Abigail Cable. Abigail Cable, yeah. Or both, or,
0: or, neither. What, was, or what, was original, what was
1: her husband's name? Because her original name was Abigail Arcane. Arcane, so, you're right. What was the other cable? Oh, that's right. His name wasn't Anton Cable. It was Anton Arcade. Or uh, wait a minute. Um, not Ar- Arcane, rather not Arcade. Arcane. Yeah. Now I'm getting my characters confused. See, it's been a while since I read this stuff, so it's yeah. good. covering it again. Yeah, that was it. Arcane was his name, not Cable.
0: Yeah, and Arcane was, of course, you know, Swamp Thing's foil in the yeah. original series. Yep. A hideously mutated being. Uh,
1: Vengeful! I, I believe we're going to see him uh, re-rear his uh, his hideous head here Ugly,
0: shortly.
1: Yeah. comb-overed head. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I loved these issues. I really did. I really enjoyed the stories. Love the art. However, I think my favorite thing about all three of these these issues was the awesome ad that wound up in all three issues. Did you notice oh, it, Oh, yes. T- I, I certainly did. It was an M Network uh, advertisement for the Tron games that came to Atari 2600. It was uh, Tron Deadly Discs and Adventures of Tron. And you can hear Chris and I talk much more about both these games and the entire world of Tron shortly on an episode I am working so hard on. Oh, that didn't come out right at all. I am working. (laughs) I am really toiling to get finished (laughs) and should be along here pretty soon. So stay tuned for that. It's a whole episode devoted to Tron. Yeah. And toiling to get finished with his heart on. <laughs> <laughs> so what else have we got on this? Is that it for Saga that's, the Swamp Bang?
0: That's a, about it for me. I'm I'm very happy. Um, and of course, Tom Yates not completely disappeared from it. He did all three covers. Yeah. So that was that's kind of cool. You know, I, I like his art, but I'm really excited about having Bissette and Total Bomb. It's going to make reading these a lot. I don't care. You can fill it full of 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 you know, Pasco text I'm still gonna enjoy it. And, and 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 another thing, that that last issue, number sixteen, was by Pasco, but it was not his usual crammed in flowery text and I thought the story was a lot better yeah. for that too.
1: I almost wonder if maybe he got a directive to, to back <laughs> off. Shut up of at your face a little bit. <laughs> Maybe. (laughs) All right, with that, let's take a little break and come back with the walking Walking dead. Dead. Yes. Start saving your quarters. It's almost here. Tron coming soon. to two true friends, The Walking Dead Okay, welcome back to the final segment of the show in which we are going to cover three, count them, three issues of The Walking Dead 17, 18 and 19 and we start with issue 17 which sports an awesome awesome Tony Moore cover of Rick beating the shit out of what looks like us the uh, the reader. I mean, it looks like he's attacking the reader in his fists in his shirt and his clothes. He's all just bloody. He's got this totally maniacal look on his face. It's just, it's what I call the, the Rick Goes Ape Shit cover. It's just great. I love it. He, yes. Yeah. He, he looks like he's just ready to just just beat somebody to death on that cover. Like he's in the process, basically, of beating someone to death. On the interiors, we got, you know, normal, writer uh, on this one, Robert Kirkman. And Charlie Adler is handling the art chores. So as you'll remember from the conclusion of last issue, Thomas, one of the uh, convicts in the prison, has cornered Andrea, one of the uh, survivors we've been following right along. He's cornered her in the laundry room of the prison and revealed his intention to cut her head off. We pick up with Andrea slapping him and then trying to draw her gun, but he overpowers her and knocks her to the floor. Out in the courtyard, Rick confides to his wife, Lori, that he's kind of losing it and that all this shit with the decapitated girls and what happened to Julie and Chris has kind of overwhelmed him. Lori yells at him to snap out of it and that they just don't have time for this right now. She also asks him where did he go yesterday and what did he do? And he tells her that he went back to their old camp just outside Atlanta. He dug up his friend Shane and shot him. He, He basically put the zombie down. Herschel and his son Billy have a confrontation in which Billy screams at his father for everything that has happened to them and to their family and that it's his fault for bringing them all to the prison in the first place. Andrew, one of the cons, checks up on Dexter, who you'll remember has been locked up again under uh, suspicion of having killed those girls. Dexter warns Andrew that Rick and the new arrivals are not their friends and the two make plans to access the prison's armory and make an escape. Glenn, Dale, and Axel... Uh, worrying about the increasing number of zombies gathering at the fences uh, and that they may eventually pose a threat they work on a way of thinning their ranks without firing any shots Tyrese and Carol scrump in the gymnasium which is really nasty considering how filthy nasty disgusting gross it is in there I mean Tyrese just offed a whole shitload of zombies not long beforehand and uh, they were supposed to be cleaning the place up And Andrea comes running out into the courtyard, pursued by Thomas, who's screaming all kinds of crazy shit at her. Rick instantly realizes what's going on, and that Thomas was the one that murdered those little girls. So he goes fucking apeshit berserk, and he beats the piss out of Thomas, leaving both Thomas's face and his own right hand horribly mangled. The group is stunned by this turn of events but it isn't until glenn asks is he dead to which rick re- replies not yet that the shit really hits the fan tempers flare and words fly hot and fast as the group argues about what to do with thomas rick's own wife Lori, is uneasy with rick's decision to kill thomas outright and asks uh who gave who gave Yeah." And asks who gave him the right to make such a unilateral decision at which Rick gives the reply that I personally like the best for most any situation at all, which is shut the fuck up. Rick lays down the law. You kill, you die. Period. And states we're going to hang him. And that's the end of issue 17. Moving right along with the story to issue 18. Rick's wife, Lori, checks on their son, Carl, who's been seriously upset after witnessing his father beat Thomas seemingly to death. Uh, As Lori comforts Carl, Rick shows up, and they all try to talk out the situation. Lori apologizes for jumping down Rick's throat and agree that Thomas must die for what he's done and the risk that he now represents to the rest of the group. Dale shows up a really nasty cut to andrea's face that she received from thomas's knife and rick arrives to have his hand looked at dale tells him that with his hand all busted to hell the way it is that he may never regain the use of that hand rick proclaims however that he has no regrets about what he's done later rick frees dex from his cell and there's a tense moment between the two and dex asks rick who done it you know who killed those girls And when Rick tells him that it was one of theirs, Thomas, Dex says that he always knew that the guy wasn't in for simple tax evasion, which I got to thinking, you know, that's a fact that was kind of important. You know, even if it wasn't a fact, even if the guy just, you know, suspected that was the truth, you know, it would have been nice if maybe he'd shared that information with the group earlier. And I'm surprised that Rick didn't take some sort of issue with that, that he didn't say the same thing to him that, gee, you know, you could have told us anyway, Rick, uh, goes out to round up Herschel to tell him they've caught the killer of his daughters and stumbles across a scene of Herschel slapping the hell out of Billy for backtalking him. Meanwhile, Dale and Andrea talk, and Dale throws out the idea of the two of them striking off on their own. Andrea agrees to go wherever Dale goes. Thomas is moved from the room where they store their shit, and I literally mean th- that's where they store their shit, into a cell to await his hanging and Glenn checks on Maggie. She tells him that she won't be loving him anymore because he's just going to die like everyone else. Patricia, who'd come to really like Thomas, frees him from his cell because she believes hanging him is wrong, but he immediately turns on her and tries to strangle her. She manages to get away and Tyrese holds him at gunpoint, threatening to shoot him if he takes another step. Suddenly, Thomas is riddled with bullets from behind And as he falls to the ground, Maggie empties her weapon into him. Now, she says, I feel a little better. They throw Thomas's body out the gate and Herschel and his son watch as the walking dead tear his corpse to pieces. As Rick and Lori try to decide what to do with Patricia, Dexter and Andrew, fully armed and loaded for bear, appear and proclaim that Patricia is with them and orders Rick and crew to, quote, get the fuck out of my house. And that's the end of issue 18. Lastly, moving on to issue 19, which, by the way, says something on the cover about uh, I being Eisner nominated, which was pretty cool. And uh, we'll have to remember to get back to this later and see if they, if it actually won. I, I'm kind of thinking that uh, it did win some sort of an Eisner, some sort of an award, didn't it? I can't remember. I think it won quite a few, if I can yeah, recall. Yeah, I think it did, too. Yeah should have looked that up at a at a time oh, well. but i suck at research so yeah, yeah. i saw what the show's all about yeah so anyway last issue number 19 last issue for this show anyway number 19 a mysterious woman with two armless and collared zombies in tow appears crossing a field crawling with the undead she witnesses otis pass by on the main road riding a buckboard and blasting zombies that get a little too close to him with a shotgun. As one of the Walking Deads gets too close to her, she decapitates it with a katana, then proceeds down the highway following Otis. Back at the prison, Rick and company are in a tense standoff with Dexter. Rick wants to talk, but Dex's only alternatives are leave or get shot. Rick confronts Dex and demands to know where they got all these guns from. And just as Dex finally tells Rick, A-block, a horde of zombies that had been confined there until Dex and his crew let them loose accidentally, swarm the group. Suddenly, the standoff is forgotten in the struggle against the Flesh Eaters. While they fight for their lives, dumbass Otis returns, demanding to be let in and manages to get himself surrounded with a gate at his back and nowhere to run. Just as it looks like he's done, the mysterious woman with a katana shows up and saves his life. Back at the prison, during the battle, Rick manages to save Dex's life with a well-placed shot. But the convict says this changes nothing between them. So, taking full advantage of the confusion, Rick shoots Dex in the head. And his buddy Tyrese happens to witness this. With Dexter dead, Andrew surrenders his weapons. They let Otis and his newfound savior in the gate, but Rick tells her that she can't bring her, what looked to be pet zombies in with her, at which point she just decapitates both of them, stating that she doesn't need them anymore anyway. During this exchange, Andrew runs crying out of the main gate, and Rick is all like, man, fuck him, let him go. Later, inside, Tyrese and Rick talk, and Tyrese tells Rick that he knows he killed Dexter. He agrees with this decision, but also basically calls Rick out as a hypocrite to his own new you-kill-you-die rule. And that was the awesome ending to issue number 19. And you know what? God damn, this was three awesome issues, man. Holy (laughs) free holies, (laughs) man. I thought I lost you there for a second. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I had my mic turned down so I wasn't squeaking in my chair while you were talking, but... Boy, oh boy, you're right. These the, holy shit! <laughs> it's I love this series. It always, you always think it can't get any more intense than it was before, and it it certainly does. You know. Oh yeah, I mean, the 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 the, the issues that are being dealt with the, just in these three ish, three separate issues are insane. You know, for just three comic books. You know, you have how do you deal with a serial killer in your midst um, you know how do you deal with an armed rebellion or you know or basically an armed ouster and you know dissent among, amongst your group and it's just it's crazy it's crazy and then you have a new character who's gonna figure strongly in this story Yeah, introduced and at this point this was, I was starting to feel that maybe it was going to start jumping the shark here. Because I got to tell you, Hot Chick with a katana is a little too fanboy yeah. for me. You know, it seems yeah. like, oh, we want
1: a Hot Chick who can, you know, is a ninja or whatever. I'm glad you said that because I totally forgot to make a note about that. I'm, I'm so glad you remembered to say that because. Uh, yeah i had the same exact thought my first impression when i saw the cover to 19 oh this by the way is what it said two eisner nominations for charlie adler for best penciler inker and tony moore for best cover artist and uh yeah we we'll we'll have to follow that up and see what it won because it seems to me it did win something one if not both of these but anyway yeah i remember seeing that cover to 19 for the first time and yeah, I'll be completely honest. That was I, I honestly thought well, this yeah. series just jumped the shark because yeah, she does. Just judging a book strictly by its cover, she looks like some sort of like like Electra anime style, yeah, manga, figure. yeah, yeah and and i thought oh god you know this this is just stupid but you know what it it actually turns out that it, it's not stupid at all she's actually pretty as, pretty cool as time
0: goes on her you, you 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 find out she's not a ninja you know she's just a badass <laughs> basically and uh yeah i you know her character is one of my favorite characters now but i was very doubtful at this point i was just like okay do we need a ninja character at this point right. you know I mean, it seemed to be doing very well. It doesn't need a boost in, but it it works, you know. I mean, I'm always scared of... That was uh, a critique I had with, and I'd love to do this series someday, is the Why the Last Man uh, series was one... I started getting that at the same time I started getting The Walking Dead, and they were both very good, and I was like, wow, there's these two really compelling... You know, horror slash sci-fi stories that are sort of cleaving to reality a little more. How how it would happen if this situation was put into reality, I should say. Right. But why The Last Man was always riddled with it. There were at least two or three little concessions to the fanboys. And well, the main character was a fanboy in it for one. You know, he was sort of a nerd, and was prone to Kevin Smith type. Conversation. Uh huh. And that would always sort of take me out of it when there would be some sort of weird, little, you know, I, I think there were <clears throat> actual ninjas showing up in that that one after a point in time, <laughs> you know, and it'd be like, oh. But it, it still, it never fully crossed the line to where it jumped the shark, you know? But
1: off the top, the top of walking my head, I can't think that. of it. A... Yeah, I can't think of a time we're Walking Dead where I ever felt like there had been a, a fanboy no. concession. You, nope. Can you think of any? Nope.
0: nope, and that's why I love it. It really, you know, it's so rare when you see art so true to itself. He waxes poetic. But it's it's true, <laughs> you know? I mean, I consider this art as much as, you know, any art or Pop art or you know I consider comics a little more deeper than pop art since they're not especially pop you know there's on the fringes of pop for the most part and maybe not the Walking Dead for very long but um, uh, you know really you know Kirkman set his rules at the beginning and he's stuck by them steadfastly. And when he's looked like he was gonna break them, He's done it with in a in a way that's plausible, you know. Like he said, I'll never, you know, I really don't want to get into the cause of what happened, you know, the why of the zombies. But it looked like for a second, maybe, you know, not to spoil in the future, like he was gonna look at that. But
1: yeah, it did yeah, but,
0: you know, he, it, you know, he he he's aware he's aware and sticking to his guns and i love that i love that it must it, it makes it probably harder to write than an average comic book but it's worth it to me <laughs> i appreciate the extra effort put in to keep it you know self contained and and true to itself and consistently compelling you know you could stay consistent to his rules and still have a boring book but it's never gotten boring it's has its slows and its slow downs and its intense periods but that's all part it's like you know it, it, it plays out like life
1: and uh one thing i really like was that this by by kirkman's own admission. And I'm not sure where this happened. I, I haven't been rereading the letters pages, I'll confess. But I know somewhere in this stretch, he, he made a comment about the characters were starting to really come alive and, and really telling the tale themselves. Yeah. And this is where it became evident because the issues usually contain the cover of the next issue in the end of them as mm-hmm. kind of a teaser mm-hmm. and the cover even wound up on, on number 18. The cover is you see the feet of someone who's obviously been hanged. dangling. Yeah. And, yeah. They're dangling over everybody else's heads and you see the whole rest of the group and everybody has, you know, different looks of whatever on their face about this as there's like this beautiful sunset, but it's really a nice, nice cover. And it really leads you to believe, okay, this is the issue where they hang Thomas. However, the cover was done well in advance by Tony Moore. And Kirkman tells the story later on that this is where basically the characters wrote this story themselves. Because Thomas ends up not being hanged. He ends up being shot to death by Maggie. But it was Kirkman's original intent that they were going to hang him. That's why that's on the cover. And somewhere in the process of writing the actual issue. When it went from like an idea phase, it's like the to... actors
0: improvising.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. You know, I, I think that's great because that's That's a sign of a good writer. Yeah. He's not he's that... not a he's not a tyrant. <laughs> right, yeah. He's allowing the the, the, the characters. To tell their story rather than saying, "Well, you know, I came up with you guys, and I've got my own ideas." You know, when when the characters have their own independent thoughts. Yeah.
0: Now you two are lesbians. He's to <laughs> yeah. And, oh, you're from outer space. Yeah. Well, you know, you can see other people doing that stuff. You know, all of a sudden they want to change their character around. You know, and in, in The Walking Dead, though, you know you don't really have to worry about like, yeah, this character isn't working. We have to totally redo them. You just, they can just get eaten, you know? So (laughs) that's, that's an easy solve to that problem, I guess. But, um,
1: but I I like that because it, 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 gave me confidence as a reader that because of the fact that he allowed something different to happen than what's clear that he originally intended, which was for this character to be hanged, it, it makes it more believable when he says things like, nobody's safe. You know, that that any character can bite it at any time. You know? Well, I
0: also like that a lot of times his...
1: his either the preview of the
0: next... what happened in this next month or the cover itself can sometimes just sort of be a hint or a, or a idea of what you see inside instead of being an actual depiction of a scene from right. from it, you know, it just sort of gives you the idea for the tone of the whole comic and, you know, the person who more gets hung in this is um, I can't remember his name, but the guy gets shot in the head, you know, during the zombie uprising, Dexter, Dexter yeah. you know, is sort of more the, the sacrifice in this one that, you know and uh, and And it's also a very, it's a deepening point in the relationship between Rick and Tyrese, who are very similar characters. Yeah, they're very similar characters, so they could really not get along, you know. But there's definitely a grudging, uh, how could you not grudgingly um, admire Tyrese after he cleaned out that whole gym full of zombies? And the same goes for Rick, that he, you know, got this whole crew of of people there, and and Tyrese, I think, you know, respected the fact that Rick made a decision at that point, and it was a shitty decision that he was going to hate himself for, but he did it anyway because it had to be. You know, he, that's that's a lot of what we've been learning about Rick is, Rick will do what has to be done. He will he will take one for the team. No matter what, if it's if it what you know, he's got that Boy Scout thing in it. Except he's a real badass boy scout but you know well you know i mean not that boy scouts would be offing people for the good of (laughs) a few but you know it it shows that he's probably he and tyrese are the you know some of the first people there who are realizing that it's a new society and it's a new rules to go along with it you know right and uh those rules might even seem hypocritical,
1: but, yeah, that's the way it goes, you know, sometimes. I'm telling you, though, that, that scene where Rick does that, you know, he he saves this guy. You know, the guy gives him a look, and he's just a prick about it. He's, he tells him, this is what he tells Rick, don't mean shit. That Don't change a fucking thing. Smart man would have let it get me. And you can see there's a panel of Rick's eyes. He watches, he sees everybody is occupied, uh-huh. and that's it. He just fucking shoots him in the head, and he's like, okay, motherfucker. You know, There's he no he decision. doesn't even,
0: yeah,
1: yeah he, he takes the guy at his word. He You know, because Dexter's basically telling him, as soon as this crisis is over, we're, we're back, back to, to where we one. were before. Yeah. We're throwing you out. And then Rick's like, no, no all right, yeah. you, you made your decision. I'm taking you at your word, I'm fucking taking you out and he does shoots him right in the head. I love it. and and Dexter was counting on the
0: fact that Rick wouldn't do it and <clears throat> right. Most people there who and he didn't even know Rick and even most of the people who knew Rick probably wouldn't have thought he would have done that. and right. And one thing I gotta mention is probably the most horrifying um, visual so far image in The Walking Dead to me the one that still to this day makes my skin crawl is where we see Rick holding up his be- ruined hand. Yeah, and it's not just like swollen up. There's pieces of bone sticking out and whole yeah, top parts mangled. over the knuckle dislocated. It's yeah, it's 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 a ruined hand. He just beat his hand with no Thought for its own safety, and it's just when, right. And you see him holding up, and he's just like, "I don't regret it." And it's just like, "Oh man, I, oh, I, I feel that pain." You know, it's that you see it. You know, in in about ten minutes, it's going to be swollen up like a balloon. Ah, oh, from all the zombie eating and decapitations and all that. That's the scene. That image so far is the most graphically. Horrifying to me of the whole of these 19 issues
1: what do you think's become of uh of Andrew he doesn't seem to me like he's savvy or he's strong enough to have survived very yeah. yeah he's uh yeah
0: he seemed to be a character you know that you know he clung to some big guy for protection you know and uh doesn't seem to be somebody who who works well on his own and alone in zombie land is probably not a good place to be for a for a person like that and uh you know at this at this point in the story most of the people who are already like that are already walking around like zombies so right. i'm i'm betting you know it won't be long before he's clawing back at the gates trying to get in to eat
1: brains. You know, what's funny is the last several issues have ended on some sort of wicked cliffhanger. You know, there was the one where, you know, Thomas confronts Andrea and says, I'm here to cut your head off. And then we had, you know, Dexter holding a shotgun to Rick's head, you know, get the fuck out of my home and stuff. But, you know, the one I like the best, honestly, is this one in 19, because it's, it's really simple. It's, you know, we got the two pages where... Tyrese and, and Rick just talk and Tyrese basically lets him know that you know I know what you did but you know what I think you did the right thing but you know and, and it's never said but I also I always kind of got the feeling that that maybe Tyrese was also implying that now the scores are even you might have some dirt on me because he killed Chris right. you know, he just fucking choked the life out of him and Rick was witness to that and but covered now, for him I yeah and now Tyrese is you know basically doing the same thing you know he was witness to Rick kill somebody and he's covering for him so I, I kind of like that too but the last panel in this is well next to last panel is uh Tyrese basically saying you know still uh kind of throws the whole you kill you die thing out the window huh he says maybe you should rethink your no killing stance in the very last Page is a is a splash. It's a one panel splash of Rick just hanging his head, and he looks really torn up. He looks very anguished by all this shit and this turn of events. And he just says, "Yeah, that's actually my favorite ending in quite a while because this was the turning point. This where Rick, you know, Rick himself realizes he's crossed a Not, line. He, his, he's soul, gone his soul to a dark is place. void. Yeah, at this point, yeah.
0: His, yeah. yeah uh, Whatever he does is subsumed, and if you notice in this last frame, very prominently is his police badge. You know. I
1: noticed that also in the in the panel where he shot Dexter yes. in the head. It was
0: very, you know, for the first time. This is what the police would be like, <laughs> right. In this yeah. situation, yeah. there's the, yeah. no. I mean, you know, there's a lot of like people talking about no more Mr. Nice Guy, but this is truly profoundly no more Mr. Nice Guy <laughs> right. at all. And it, it, and and the thing is, Rick is a nice guy, so it's killing him. You know, it's... it's he, he has to let that... You know, he can only... You know, he can't get rid of it, purge it from himself, especially with like a little son and a wife and a little kid and stuff, but boy, you know, the, the clean-cut Rick Highway patrolman, you know, is is
1: he's fading yeah, fast. fast. The rear <laughs> really is, yeah. And I like that. I like seeing that. And I like seeing that it's, it's not a necessary. Uh, uh, yeah, thing. well, it's not a flip being uh, a switch being flipped, right? You know, it's not like he, he went from okay, now I've got a man up and I've got to. Be toughest. It's it's been a gradual process of a little bit of his soul being chipped away by every horrible fucking thing that well, happens this, to them. Issue after we're, issue. We're up to
0: issue seventy now. So if it was just a switch yeah. being flipped, how many times can you flip a switch? You know, it has right. to be just a gradual erosion. Yeah. Just as society, well, society doesn't gradually erode in this. And uh,
1: that's why I, I'm, I'm loving his journey so much, because I'm wondering where where could this potentially go? Because, you know, as they keep going through these events, if, if we ever get characters that last any significant amount of time, you, you've got to imagine that at least certain characters are going to get to a point where they'll never have the ability to trust anybody or anything, they'll never have a sense of, okay, I'm safe here. Right. Or I'm safe doing this, that that if they should be so lucky to live long enough, just the, the things they experience in the world that they live in now will, will never give them well, a moment's peace. I mean, what would that do to you? You'd be a frazzled fucking mess. Anthropologically, you
0: know? <laughs> they are now, you know, anthropologically – I have this. My I have a friend named Ken, and we have this conversation a lot of what would happen in a societal collapse. And you know, we both have decided that the immediate thing, whether it be a zombie apocalypse or a nuclear war or what have you, or the gas runs out or whatever, the aliens come. And, and if our they're here, and uh, <laughs> it, it would it would basically be we'd be back to hunter gatherer. Yes, and that's what, that's what these people are—hunter gatherers. So there's still going to be trust, and there's still going to be people you can depend on, but they're going to be in your small tribal group, and there you will trust them because over the course of time you've put your life—you know—it's just like um, you know troops in wartime. You know, you're putting your life in the hands of your your fellow soldiers, and everybody looks out for everybody else. But anybody who's not part of that group gets. You know, absolutely zero mercy, you know.
1: But see, even this situation, I think, is different than, say, say, a, a group of cavemen, right? You know, a group of cavemen, they, they'd leave the cave during the day. They'd go out and they'd hunt, I don't know, fucking woolly mammoths or whatever they lived on, right? Right and they go out and that was really dangerous and you know they might end up getting you know run through with a tusk or trampled or whatever the fuck you know back back in the, I won't pretend to be some fucking anthropologist cuz I don't know shit but you know they right. they did what they did to survive but at the end of the day they could climb up their little ridge or whatever get in their cave and they were safe probably well, from whatever Well there were nomadic
0: much, ones too you know that's what I'm right. thinking is more of the nomadic you know traveling traveling with the seasons and traveling right. away from the predators and trying to, you know, following the food, basically, going from. But what food I mean though food. is, I mean,
1: even even those guys, and and as rough as their lives must have been, and, and, and as hectic as their existence must have been, there had to be times. You would think, anyway, there, that there had to be times where they would feel like, okay, I'm safe here. I, I'm up on the cliff. You know, I'm up, I'm up in the side of this cliff somewhere where nothing can get at me. I'm I'm in my thing. I'm surrounded by my tribe. I'm okay here at least for the night. You know, one of them wasn't going to turn out to be a fucking serial killer, right? Well, that's or, how. Or you know, or if you know, if, if one of their wounded died in the middle of the night, it wasn't going to rise up as a fucking flesh-eating zombie. So I'm my my point is, I think that this is the worst scenario, mankind. Has ever seen because they're just never going to have true peace. You know, a, a true sense. You know, the only way you could ever achieve that, the only is possible get on an way island could,
0: or something. Uh,
1: yeah, on a, on a desert island completely by yourself because you can't have any other people around you. That would be the only scenario that would work. Yeah, but that's the know? same
0: with normal society too.
1: <laughs> you know, for that for that
0: matter. But if say the, their little nomadic group you know that so far like their group right now for the most part hasn't run into trouble with anybody except the people outside the group now right. the, they, they've bonded and, and whatever but um, I don't know you know I think it's very you know they're doing the same thing as a nomadic you know they now at the prison they've found you know some place that's so safe that Rick is willing to kill for it so they're gonna try to settle here, but you never know if the saber-tooth, you know, if a bunch of saber-toothed tigers come to town, or a bunch of, you know, bigger crow mags come to town. You know, they might drive you out of there, and then you're back on the road. You know, fighting the, fighting the predators till you find the next place that you can go right. to. And there's no infrastructure, so they can't really settle in one place for. This is the only possible place so far that they've been able to settle because it has a stored away food supply. but right. any place else there's only so long you can eat the food that's around there before you're gonna have to go out and in an ever widening circle to find more food. So yeah I think and and I think this you're right that this is the worst possible situation but for different reasons. I think it's only the worst possible situation, for the reason that everybody in the situation knows what it was like before. Now, if the, the, well, a newer well, generation, my... a generation later, if you have little kids, you know, beyond Carl's age, that grow up in this, it would just be status quo, and it wouldn't be as bad. It would be bad. But it wouldn't be as bad because they didn't know it wouldn't know what they were missing. All these guys know what life was like before. Right. You know, it was all sunshine and
1: you know, rainbow crapping unicorns before this. <laughs> My point was more that you know, for the first time in the history of man, the enemy literally is us, because you know, if you've got your your group of hunter gatherer cavemen. You know, one of them is never going to become the enemy just simply through the act of dying, which is all it takes for anybody in any of these groups to become one of them. You know, one of the enemy is for somebody to die. So, you know, you had said that, you know, it's true for us today that the only way you're ever safe is to take off to a desert island. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I would feel safe. Bringing my wife and children with me today to a desert island, I'm not afraid that my wife and kids are going to fucking turn on me and try to kill me. I'm really not. You know, whereas in this world, you don't have that sense of security. I mean, your wife, your closest friends, and closest relatives are enemies waiting to happen. All it takes is for them to expire, and suddenly they're trying to eat you. So that's what I meant was that that's yeah. up to the ante to where everybody is the enemy. Just waiting to happen, you know that. God, how frightening is that?
0: You know, you really, literally, that's part of the can't trust anybody. That's why. That's why I think zombie movies are the new sort of zeitgeist and in, in this sort of thing. They're they're sort of reaching their peak now and actually starting to get a little over. I think when um, Zombieland came out, that was sort of when it was hitting its oversaturation point. And I'm really right. hoping, and I've been trying trying to think of a way to into the subject is I'm really hoping that the new TV series you know really sort of gives a little more you you know will will not be dismissed as just another zombie thing and and maybe the kind of thing that now that it's on TV you know Time Magazine might write something up about zombie movies you know and you know The Walking Dead people think it's just a gross out but this is there's something more going on here you know know, that's you know that this The usual bullshit, but I'm looking forward to it because the more I hear about it, the more... Well, we know for sure that the actor's been cast as Rick. And I think they've had Tyrese for a little while already. But they have Rick cast, and his name... I can't remember his first name. His last name is Lincoln. And he looks... He doesn't have blonde hair like Rick, but the guy looks like Rick. The guy you can just see... Physically, that he'll be a, that he'll fit the part physically, at least visually. And I think it's the is it IFC independent field channel or whoever, whoever's uh, whoever I'm they're pitching sure. it to has already bought six episodes of it. So we're going to see six episodes, which I'm betting from the first episode, which got Rick into Georgia, that it's not gonna quite make it this far but if it goes for an entire season we're gonna get well past where we are now in the TV show
1: which should be a, which should be great I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the TV show What what worries me more than anything it's not even really about the TV show so much you kind of hit on it a moment ago when you were talking about the oversaturation right with zombie stuff, right. what I'm what I'm more worried about at this point is that when the zombie fad starts to go away and starts to fade, I have a feeling it's going to fade very fast. Sure. And I hope that it doesn't take this book with it when it does, because that, be, uh, that would be awful I don't, if it did. I
0: don't think it will because of the quality of this book. I, I Right. Mean, I don't care what happens with zombies in the pop culture. I'm committed to this book until it starts to suck i will I will read this book I will read this book well into when it starts to suck in the hopes that it won't suck anymore because i if it ever starts to suck, I will give it a lot of slack for not sucking for so long. It's almost miraculous how long this book hasn't sucked at all so you know i'm going to be uh, you know no matter what happens if the tv show bombs or whatever is terrible or they try to make it into a comedy or whatever i don't care it won't it won't i kirkman has established himself to me as a as a reliable i have i have a bit of confidence in kirkman maintaining his, you know the quality of the walking dead and hopefully canning it if it's not going to be of any quality anymore of actually saying, right. Okay, that's it, you know. I did it. But it doesn't sound like he's ready to do that in the near future. It sounds like he's got plans for it for a long time and he's excited about those plans, so I too am excited about those plans. I, I'm yeah, I'm well. I'm more than cautiously excited about that or positive about the T V show. I'm really excited about it. I think it's I think it's actually going to kick ass. I hope Um, Right now, my hope is whoever is... And the director didn't do this in The Mist. So I'm hoping he doesn't, you know, bow to, like, visual stylism with it, unless it's subtle. But I hope it doesn't go into fast edit, you know, or slow motion, or Matrix vision, bullet time, and stuff like that. I hope it sort of maintains... I hope it sort of keeps the visual style of maybe a Western you know what I mean right and, uh, you know a just sort of straightforward edited and directed film with a focus on the actors and and the and and the action and I think you can't go wrong you know I, this is this thing's been made to be made into a drama and anybody who's gets a hold of the comics knows. If they're if they have half a brain, that there's not much you have to diddly fuck with to to translate this into into a you know the movie medium. At least I hope. But you know the 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 end of the mist aside, you gotta admit he did a really good job of doing that without making it a You know, playing with the cheesy horror movie. It was filmed like an old school horror movie. You know, it was filmed like a movie. It wasn't all MTV'd up, so. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I can't wait. Uh, I'm sure we'll do some special shows on that when that happens. I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun to get that when it comes right out.
1: I definitely look forward to that, yeah. Speaking
0: of, well, not really special shows, but before the show started, we were... Scott and I have started sort of getting our machetes out and hacking a little tentative path into the future of Comics Monthly Monday. Yeah. pretty much we've figured out, once we get caught up with Swamp Thing and we're doing it one issue at a time of the Alan Moore stuff, that's going to give us a little more room. So we've sort of figured out... um, a very classic comic run to uh, to do, and
1: it, uh, that's a, we don't want to spoil too much at this I point. To I think reveal, we're gonna huh? yeah, and I think we're gonna save the big announcement until the end of next episode. But just trust me when I say you guys are going to really, really like this. You're going like to be yeah. very excited. We're very excited about it. We believe you are going to be very excited about it. So I can't believe we never thought of it before. Yeah, I, honestly, I can't either. It's, it's, I think it's a brilliant idea, and uh, and I, we, we can't even take full credit for it. But as I say, there will be a big announcement. We'll give credit where credit's due. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. So stay tuned for that comics monthly Monday is definitely uh, going to get just that much more awesome. We're, we're giving it a, an extra boost, an extra shot in the arm. And, uh, lastly, real quick, before we go, I just thought of something else I did want to throw out there. I think uh red must've got tired of my constant whining and all uh, the, the emails I've sent them. And, uh, if you guys have a red box in your town and you still haven't checked out um justice league crisis on two is it two worlds or two earths i forget just crisis on two something or other check it out man it's now finally made its way to the red box it's well worth a view for a buck it's a it's a pretty cool movie i didn't like it quite as much as superman batman um uh, what the hell was the name of that? Now I just blanked on the name of that. You know the Superman Batman movie that was just mm-hmm. out a little while ago. However, still pretty awesome, still pretty pretty cool movie. Really good soundtrack, and uh, it's just neat. It's it's everything that uh, JLA Earth Two a few years back wasn't. You know, you get the Justice League fighting their evil universe counterparts, and it was uh, it was pretty kick ass. I enjoyed it pretty much. So uh, check that DVD out excellent we got it got anything else
0: no i think that about uh wraps it up next month we'll be uh wrapping up all the pre alan moore swamp thing and we'll yeah. be getting into even more profound darkness with uh, the walking dead and making our big announcement About the way I feel. Oh, well, I walk around with my head and reel. Oh, well, I just don't care about the things you do.
1: Oh, well, I just stand feeling blue. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.Libsyn.com 2 truefreaks.libsen.com true is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com
0: You can email 2TrueFreaks directly
1: at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T G-A-R-D-N-E-R. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are
0: also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcasts.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up.
1: Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Zombie walk, don't you come with me Gonna do the zombie walk Till I reach the sea,
0: Two True Freaks has been brought to you today
1: by DeManzo Corps of Milan, Italy and by the letters F and U.